Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like when they just can't give 100% to you, when your friends (laughs) can't love all of you, and learning to love by loving. Mm. Mm -hmm. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we don't know what we're doing. No. Uh, and we are not <laughs> in any way accredited by any institution. Or to qualified. Give this advice. Or qualified, <laughs> yeah, right? really. Um, we are not professionals. We are not trained in this. Um, we, you know, we, go ahead. <laughs> no, since we're doing these, like, these episodes remotely now, Sierra and I at the beginning of every episode have to say one, two, three, clap and clap at the same time. <laughs> And of course, there's a lag. Why do but you have to Sierra's me like, like this? I did this perfect every single time. Every single time I do it perfect. And I'm like, Sierra, no, it's always two seconds behind. Well, it's like every time you say one, two, three, clap, and I clap with you at the same time on my end, I'm really proud of myself. I'm like, oh, great rhythm, great listening skills. And then I do it on my end so that we can like, so Spencer can like mash this together. And yours is always lagged because there is a lag, but there's some like, I don't know, unhealed part of me that's like oh, Sam yeah, the is four-year-old just, sierra just that like felt like she wasn't enough <laughs> <laughs> anyway um this is all to say that we are we are not professionals we don't know what we're doing we're just as broken as you are please take our advice as you see fit you don't even have to agree with it um we're just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is facetime recording i mean love (laughs) (laughs) sorry it was an easy one no Um, it is okay so what is our check-in topic for today our checking topic comes from a person named Trust Anonymous, writing from Minneapolis, inspired by a letter. Um, and the the basic thrust of the question was, how do you rebuild trust in a relationship after infidelity? Mm. And we also have gotten a couple messages asking us what we consider cheating, mm. which we thought would be uh, an interesting topic to talk about. Yeah, because I, I think it's just like different for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. do, which one do you want to you want to start with? Like what we consider cheating? Yeah. Uh, okay. This is juicy. We're we're getting into it on a Monday morning. Um, uh-huh. uh, so what do I consider cheating? Um, do you want my ideological question, like answer, or like my straight up, like this is the toe crossed the line? You know. What What am um, I saying? <laughs> why don't we start highbrow and go lowbrow? <laughs> so hi, start high with like our ideas of what cheating is right? Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. it when, when they go high, then they also go low. (laughs) Yes. We will go high and low. (laughs) Um, okay. So for me, um, cheating, I, I differentiate cheating with someone breaking my trust. Um, and I think that is an Mm. important, um, like line to draw is that like, I don't think, um, if, if my significant other was, um, like, repeatedly breaking my trust in terms of giving me promises and then not fulfilling them. That's not cheating to me. Although I I sometimes wish we gave that type of, that type of trust breaking more um, acknowledgement than, than infidelity. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because I, I don't think we always make, we don't always take the time and space to acknowledge 
the true like heartbreak and and work that it takes to overcome that type of um infidelity right it's like an infidelity of of truth of trust of trustworthiness Mm -hmm. i don't know not like putting your crotch in someone else's crotch um so yeah so i that when i think about like what is cheating i think cheating is like being um physically uh or emotionally intimate with somebody in a um in a way that is against the rules that we have Mm -hmm. established in our personal relationship. Like if my relationship is monogamous and I'm saying like, I'm only sleeping with you and you go suck face with somebody else. Like that is um, cheating to me. Right. But Mm -hmm. a a bigger concern to me is actually like um, if, if you are repeatedly breaking my trust in terms of being someone that you have told me that you are not, or like if you tell me that you are going to be home at 9 PM um, sober and you come home at 12, one, two drunk, like that is, that is like its own type of um, infidelity. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not answering this question at all, (laughs) (laughs) but I think I'm like kind of going off on it because like to me, cheating is very simple, even though it's a complicated um, topic. It's this, yeah. the ch- cheating itself is sticking your shit where it doesn't belong when you know it shouldn't be there. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And I think, um, <clears throat> I think what you're getting at, right, is that we think that cheating is somehow the worst type of trust breaking. Um, and it doesn't mm. necessarily have to be, right? Like people could. Yes. Be totally fine. And relationships could be totally fine with someone like going out and sleeping with someone else. Right. And they could recover easily from that. And the continued breaches of trust that you're talking about, or even like one other breach of trust that isn't Mm -hmm. related to cheating could be the thing that ends a relationship. And so I think, um, I think cheating is just like a very, um, easy example of, of, um, somebody violating someone else's trust or like breaking the rules of the relationship that everyone has agreed to. Yeah. Um, and like that, I think is the biggest deal about cheating. So like, it's hard for me to say like, this is cheating. Then this is not like DMing someone on Instagram is cheating. Cause like, uh, it doesn't, it could be if that's the uh, agreement that you have in your relationship. Right. right. Um, or it could not be like sleeping with other people could not be cheating uh, but having an emotional bond with someone could be cheating right. if that's the rules of your relationship or having an emotional bond with someone could be totally fine, but having sex with them could right. be cheating. Right. Right. Uh, I'm glad you said that. Like, as always, thank you for taking my jumbled thoughts and making them articulate <laughs> and profound. Um, uh, I'm glad you said that though, because what you like made clear to me is that we often want someone, we want the rules of cheating to be black and white because we mm-hmm. so often have a hard time holding people accountable for treating us poorly when they're not, when it's not black and white, right? Like mm-hmm. when somebody is constantly gaslighting you or, or not living up to the idea of them that they've presented, um, that's really hard to hold them accountable to. But like if they sleep with someone else, when that's the rules of your relationship, we're like, Oh yes, that's cheating. Like, I I am now justified in my feelings of inadequacy and disappointment, you know, or or like them being inadequate. Um, I think that's why cheating is such like this um, salacious thing that we struggle with um, because 
I, it, it weirdly gives us a ton of vindication, you know, in mm-hmm. situations of like mistreatment. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I also think that we want, we want cheating to be black and white. We, we want like a shared definition or like a universal definition of yes. it because a, we don't want to get hurt, which is totally understandable, right. but also B like, we don't want to have to do the hard work of having a conversation with our partner about like what's on and off the table in terms of our relationship, mm. right? Like having that deep, honest conversation. Vulnerable. Like we just want, so vulnerable. right. We just want everything to be implied and understood. Right. But yeah, the reality is, is that like that in order to prevent someone from cheating on you, like you need to, you need to, I mean, not to prevent someone from cheating on you, but to like help people not make mistakes. Right. We need mm. to be really honest about what our expectations are and what we're comfortable with. And those are really hard conversations to have. Yeah. Um, so feel, like this, I, this desire for like this universal definition is real, but it's also like there is no universal definition. Yeah. I'm sorry to report. <laughs> I totally agree. Um, I feel, I felt like some discomfort come up when you talked about like, when you said that, like that we have, that we are, that we need to tell people to prevent, you know, to prevent someone from cheating, you corrected yourself. Cause that's like, it's not like victim blamey, you know? Or yeah, like, it's yeah. not our fault when people cheat on us. But I think I felt yeah. some resistance to that when you said it because, well, I mean, you corrected yourself, but the, the idea <laughs> of that, because, well, be, the idea of that we, I'm, I felt resistance to that because I think that we want things to be so romantic and seamless <laughs> and we want, <clears throat> excuse me, we want, um, our partners to just be so perfectly aligned and behave perfectly uh, that it makes me uncomfortable to think about like, do I need to have a conversation with my fiance about mm-hmm. like, do I need to say explicitly what I think would forever alter the fabric of our relationship? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this, I think, every relationship is different. Yes or no. I think from conversations that Willow and I have had, I don't need to have that big talk, but sometimes if the, if your relationship is not, um, as transparent as you might want it to be, uh, or your desires aren't, or your, your boundaries, again, it just goes back to boundary setting and are we comfortable voicing our own boundaries? Yeah. I do. I do want to be no, go ahead. No, I just think like two things in response to that one is that book that I gave you has these topics of conversation and recommends that you like talk with them through your part, like with your partner before oh, yeah. you Oh my God. Such a married. good book. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, which is, is called... fantastic. And like, it's called uh, a practical wedding mm-hmm. um, by Meg something. something. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. It's not in front of us. Uh, we didn't plan this. <laughs> it's so but good. She's really <laughs> awesome. But like, there's a whole chapter in that. That's like, here are the six really hard topics that you need to talk about. And here are questions to help you. And Peter and I did that one and we did the one about cheating and it was like, this is really helpful for me to know. And so I also want to like challenge us to think about romance differently, right? Like romance in movies is like Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks meeting on the top of the empire state building, having never had a conversation. And we're like, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And totally at ideological odds. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Perfect. I love this. Um, but I think real romance is like being able to be so vulnerable with your partner that you can have these difficult conversations and walk away feeling fulfilled (laughs) and understood and heard and that you are connected, right? Like that's real romance. Yes. Romance isn't like constantly being worried that you're not on the same page, right? That's just anxiety, right? Yeah. (laughs) So like, (laughs) let's, let's redefine 
romance as being open and honest communication, feeling like you are on the same page, like having the ability to be vulnerable with each other and have difficult conversations so that I you know it. that that you are equipped with what you need in order to be the best partner for that person. Right. Oh my God. I love it. Because I also think, you know, I have felt, I've found so much empowerment in my, my current relationship because I feel so stable that I have the opportunity Mm -hmm. to grow and flourish that I didn't in like my most recent relationship that was riddled with infidelity and trust issues, you know? Right. Um, being, being open and vulnerable about what my needs are, having them met allows you to be your, your best self, your, to flourish, Mm -hmm. to be romantic. Like you said, I love that. You had a second point. Do you remember it? Nope. Those were my two. The first was about the book. (laughs) The second was about romance. Oh yes, 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 yes. yes. (laughs) You crushed it. You crushed it. Um, I do want to be, uh, like, I do want to be a little bit um, petty or low, low ball <laughs> and specific um, and say exactly like maybe we can each share one thing that we definitely think is cheating in our relationship and one thing that we definitely don't think is cheating in mm-hmm. our relationship. Like our our current relationship or are we saying examples of ways in which infidelity have played out in our lives? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with the second option. <laughs> It'll be <laughs> okay. juicier. Um, so something that I definitely, um, oh yeah, here we go. Uh, s- straight up was told that um, someone uh, that my ex came home to, oh my God, I can't even believe I'm saying this out loud because it sounds <laughs> so ridiculous. Uh, this is why I don't like divulge any of this to you in the moment because it sounds so bonkers okay so my um ex told me that he came home and there was like a party at his house and a girl was like asleep in his bed and um that they like slept next to each other and i was like "Mm, okay all right and then like later like that made me uncomfortable because he had already cheated on me like multiple times and then um and then later in the day he's like um, we cuddled and I was like, I feel uncomfortable with that. You've disrespected my boundaries. Um, you've disrespected the trust that we were trying to rebuild, which is actually the whole check-in topic. Um, and then later I found out that they slept together. <laughs> <laughs> so that oh, was, that's funny. yeah, I know. And then How four months later, he dumped you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's so true. Like, legitimately, I was like joking in my head that he, that like, the answer to how do you get over cheating is like, oh, you constantly forgive them and they eventually leave you. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Uh, You know how I get over it? They dump me. (laughs) Okay, Um, anyway, sorry. A great example of for real, for real cheating. I love that we could laugh at this. Right. Uh, is when the time when my ex and I were out at a bar and he sent me home to his apartment and then he <laughs> went home with four men, oh but then God. told me that it wasn't cheating because he didn't touch anyone. He just watched. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And then I woke up in the morning in his apartment by myself and was like, um, I'm sorry. And then he was late to work, so I went and I drove, I picked up his ass at the house where he was and drove him to work. Oh my God. 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 I am so glad we decided to go the low, the low way. That is 
I'm so sorry for your pain. <laughs> <laughs> well, now it's funny. At know, the time, it was horrifying. But like oh now, it's just God. like. Were you oh like, God. how did you, wanna... rea- how did you react? Like picking him up? Were you like, were, did you do the like, like roll over and let me show you my belly and be submissive and like, um, like, uh, accommodating to you? Or were you like, what the fuck? No, I just didn't talk to him the whole time. Like he got in the car and then I just like drove him and then left. <laughs> so yeah. we didn't talk at all. Yeah. I was 22 or <laughs> no, something. No, I get it. So, like... I get it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Me too. That relationship I was talking about wasn't like, I don't know, a couple of years ago. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh my God. We get a couple letters. We get like handfuls of letters that are like, I don't know how I let this person treat me like this. Like, I, you know, I'm a grown person and I'm like, girl, you, <laughs> that is just life. Um, okay. So, um, uh, okay. Now, now something that you don't consider cheating, maybe even in your own relationships or, um, like, like relationships as a whole, because uh, you yeah. like, for example, you, you talked about like messaging other people or what did you bring up about something on Instagram or something? I don't know, I, liking yeah. other people's Instagram yeah, posts. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, that's a perfect. I don't, I don't think liking other pe- other people's Instagram posts is cheating or indicative of cheating. Like mm-hmm. I, we all know that there are like some behaviors that you're like a little creepy, but like at one point or another, you have to decide what you're going to give a shit about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just like I can't give a shit about that. Luckily, my no. fiance doesn't have social media. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, she does have Venmo, though. Yes, she does. <laughs> it's like her only access into the digital world. Um, well, let me let me think. Really, though, like, um, like, okay, so sleeping in the same bed, I'll like, I'll like, go back on myself. You know, mm-hmm. if Willow were to tell me, Willow, a trustworthy person who doesn't lie to me or manipulate me. <clears throat> or constantly disappoint me. Um, if she was like, Oh, um, people came home. Um, people stayed at our house. There were people in every bed. Um, and so I let my friend sleep into bed with me. Um, I would be like, that's totally fine because that's sleeping and we're adults and I am fine with that. If she Mm -hmm. was like, um, a friend stayed over and we have, keep in mind, we have a couch and a guest bedroom and two spare mattresses. And like, and if she was like, Oh, that friend slept in bed with me, I would be like, that makes me really uncomfortable. That feels unnecessarily close. Mm -hmm. That, so that's a good example. That would be like not cheating, like not not capital C cheating. That would be like a overstepping my boundaries. Um, Mm -hmm. But if we had a crowded house and, um, we had a bunch of people sleeping over and there wasn't an extra bed. Like that would be fine with me. I don't care. What about you? Hmm. Is that hard for you? Do you disagree with that? No, I mean, I just think that's interesting because it's like, what if, what if Willow were a man and the person that he was sleeping in the bed with were a woman, right? Like sometimes I think like same sex relationships have different understandings of like, what is okay and what is not then yeah, because totally. of the ways in which like we're so ingrained <laughs> that women, men and women can't be friends or like that. It's just like, it makes things more complicated. I feel like when it's a heterosexual relationship, I, to- I actually totally agree. And I'm glad you brought that up because it was hard with my mm-hmm. ex who was a man. Um, mm-hmm. 
and but also who was like a perpetual cheater and liar <laughs> um and i and i ca- i actually remember like if we're being real i remember talking like trying to let's getting getting to our actual check-in topic like i remember trying to be like work through the infidelity and like forgive him and um i remember saying to him i i feel like i'm being sexist like i feel like i'm being like I'm, mm. I, and of course that was like maybe me like over accommodating and like overdoing, like doing the mental work to like justify his shitty behavior. But I was like, I want you to have female friends. Like I like that you have female friends, but, or, or friends who identify as women or whatever. Um, I don't want to like feel insecure every time you have a friend over who you would bone, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's interesting. But he was an untrustworthy person, so it was very difficult to trust him. Yeah, totally. Totally. I totally agree. Um, you know what? I feel like we could extend this into a two-part conversation. Do you want to talk about like how to like get through cheating the next episode we record? Sure. Okay, yeah. so, so how do you recover from infidelity or rebuild trust after infidelity is coming at you next episode? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see if we remember. Yeah. <laughs> okay um did you want to add what you should add your example though of like oh. what isn't cheating um yeah i mean to I, you i think that i'm okay with and you know peter and i have talked about this like i'm okay with like i like it when peter gets flirted with mm. right like i like it is really fun for me to see him get attention like that because like it's like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's that, mine. My man is like awesome. And so like we've talked about like, I that was like, so if you cute. like made out with someone in a bar, like I would not be upset about it. Like I would just be happy that you like, I mean, if this was an every weekend thing, I would be a little bit like, mm-hmm, oh. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but like, but like that wouldn't upset me because it's like, cool. I'm glad you're to have this experience. Like I'm glad you're getting like attention and validation. Like that's really fun. As long as you like tell me about it and like come home with me. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, totally. Like, so I think it's, it is sort of like, you know, what's the fine line? And like Peter and I have had this conversation about it. And so like some people would be like making out with someone at a bar would be absolute cheating. And, and I'm like, legitimately traumatizing. <laughs> right. And like, that's super legit. Like I could totally understand that. But also for us in our relationship, we've had this conversation where I'm like, cool, if you want to do that, right. Like do it in a way that's respectful of me. Right. But also like have fun, get, get that attention and then make sure that you come home to me and you tell me about it and you like tell me how much you love me, right? Like that's sort of mm-hmm, the totally. agreement that we have, right? And, he's and never done I, it to be clear because he's just like way too wholesome. But <laughs> yeah, he is. He would feel so bad. <laughs> he would feel so bad that Catholic guilt would just oh like immediately <laughs> flood his brain. Um, but I want to say two things really quickly because at first I was like, that's so great that like, um, that that is the type of um, trust that you can grow in a healthy relationship that that, that's what a flourishing healthy relationship looks like that's the first thing i wanted to say but then the second thing as i was like collecting my thoughts was like i should i should definitely praise that but also articulate that having the ability to open your relationship in any way is not a sign of health or it's not there's no like hierarchy and that's not talking about you like i think you're better than everyone but (laughs) um (laughs) But like, you know, I used to like, 
again, with my last relationship, I used to think like, why am I not okay with this? Like what's wrong with me? Like what mental work or labor can I put myself through to be better understanding of something that I'm just not comfortable with? Um, and so I wanted to say that, but also say like, wow, healthy relationships allow us to really let go of some anxieties and fears that we, that can really hold us hold us down and, and hurt our lives, you know? For sure. Um, but also if, I, yeah, if it were still, if it were like, no, we never, we don't make out with other people. We don't right. like, we don't flirt with other people. Like that wouldn't make our relationship any less yes. healthy. Yes. The healthy part of it is that we've had the conversation and that we yes, are both adhering to the boundaries that both of us have put up. Right. And so like, that is the healthy part. So like polyamory, doesn't necessarily mean that you are more enlightened or healthier than anyone Mm. else. Right. Like, and it doesn't, and monogamy doesn't mean that you are any healthier or more enlightened Mm -hmm. than any other person. Right. It's about like, what are the conversations that are having in the, in those relationships? Is everyone on the same page? Are they adhering to the rules that have been set up? Right. Like that's what's at a healthy relationship. And so, yeah, I just want to like challenge that because I think sometimes we, we have these ideas of like what health looks like in relationships yeah, and, and like it can look different for everyone. Totally. Totally. And there's like great anxiety and sense of inadequacy when you're, when you're not meeting what you think those things are. Um, for sure. Anyway, cool. Love this conversation. Uh, let's get into our first letter. We will continue our conversation about cheating next episode. All right. The first letter is from Janelle. I'm a hundred percent that heartbroken (laughs) (laughs) who is writing to us from DC. Hi lovelies. I have started and stopped writing a letter to you. Amazing people. So many times I almost couldn't find the right words to express how much this podcast has meant to me and my inner journey of healing and growth. Honestly, thank you from the bottom of my quote, getting better every day heart. My story is similar to others that I so similar to others that I almost don't need to rehash it. Girl meets guy seemingly fall for each other. Guy starts to pull back. Girl goes absolutely insane trying to figure out what she did wrong and becoming the most anxious version of herself. Guy hems and haws and shuts down. Girl believes things can be fixed. Guy sends tons of mixed messages and dumps girl a week after her birthday in which she planned. So this guy and I broke up almost two years ago, haven't seen each other in almost a year after hooking up for a few months and haven't spoken in six months since finding out he's in a relationship. I'm 32 going on 33 and he's still my first real slash most significant relationship to date, which makes me feel like the shittiest of shits because the relationship was shit. We dated for a limited time, exclusive for months, and then official for close to six months. When I tell you that this guy treated me like nothing, it is not an exaggeration. I had no boundaries or standards because I was so desperate for love. I thought I loved this person who consistently put no effort into the relationship, acknowledged his lack of effort, and then proceeded to do nothing to change. It was very hard for me to accept that I allowed this behavior because, ugh, who wants to acknowledge that they've let someone else have power over them? I felt small, ignored, unimportant, insignificant, and like a distraction from his disappointing life. He could have been a matador with all the red flags waving around, and I was the misguided bull charging after him. He got a new girlfriend despite telling me for over a year that he, quote, just wasn't ready for a relationship. I even confronted him that he meant not ready for a relationship with me, which he denied, and then got into a relationship in the weeks after this comment. 
I asked him to block me on social media, which he did with ease. I recently broke the no contact stupidly by looking at his social media, second account stalking, am I right? And could see his likes were about the commitment to his new girlfriend, being faithful and loyal and letting all of letting go of all of his hoes. I won't deny that I felt crushed. I've been working very hard on my self-worth, which plummeted while in a relationship with him. He never planned dates. We never went anywhere new. I barely met his friends and he didn't seem interested in mine. He only texted. We saw each other mainly on the weekends. He would drip feed me truth aka fucking lying and (laughs) (laughs) he never posted or acknowledged us on social media he never actually committed the list goes on and on and now he's doing all of these things with her from what i can see slash assume he would basically gaslight me about needing validation from social media or how he's not a photographer to be taking photos i'm a pretty jealous person and i can admit that i would monitor his social media interactions and my anxious attachment style was but a dance with his avoidant attachment style but I justified it that I wanted to see what he was thinking because hello, we didn't really have a real emotional connection and never spoke about anything beyond the surface level. And I was constantly on the lookout for the woman that I knew would replace me. I developed developed stomach problems from all the anxiety and the intuition that he would eventually leave because he wasn't, he was never really in it with me a hundred percent. He continued to tell me I deserve better. And I held on to that potential he told me that we were the same person and that we, we'd been great together and I'd foolishly believed him, hoping that he would run back to me. It was so hard to let go of that hope. It was always hope. Hope that we would meet each other's needs, hope that our similarities and chemistry would be enough. The way he's being with her now is how I imagined our relationship blossoming. Instead, I was never treated as a priority and was told I was pretty insecure, which led him to feeling anxious. I catch myself hoping that their relationship fails, that he turns back into the person he was with me, but the better part of me reasons that he's on his own journey and this girl doesn't deserve to be hurt the way I was. I will definitely never check social media again because I don't need the reminder that I wasn't it or wasn't enough for him. I stayed with him and hurt myself and checked. I checked social media to hurt myself again. Believe me, they are blocked on everything now, even LinkedIn. This journey has its ups and downs. I'm constantly ruminating on how I was not enough and how he never truly cared about me. My main question is, how do I reconcile the fact that I allowed myself to be treated less than? He doesn't define my worth, so how do I stop feeling like I wasn't enough? I would love a new relationship and to meet someone who actually wants to be with me, but I'm so very afraid that I will be deemed not enough again while they find they're happily ever after. Again, thank you for all that you do, and thank you for even taking the time to read my letter. All right. Thank you so much, Chanel, for writing. Um, Yeah. Let's get into it. I love the summary in the very beginning. It's like, typical story, because (laughs) I, I especially love it outside of the fact that I relate to it, but I love... I love how it was like the Sparknotes version of what almost every person is experiencing right now in quarantine in their relationship, (laughs) where all of a sudden, (laughs) where all Uh of a sudden um, your relationship is tested or somebody pulls back and our anxieties are spiking or at least, you know, us us with anxious anxiety attachments. Um, Yeah. So you want to kick it off? Um, yeah, I mean, 
just want to say that I'm sorry that you're going through this, Janelle. Um, it really sucks when you um, break up with someone and then you find their social media again after like three years. <laughs> And you're like, yeah. oh, they're really happy. Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, they still exist. The, ado- <laughs> yeah. the audacity of them still existing. <laughs> right? Ooh, they're in a relationship with the person. Does that person know that they're a fucking asshole? Yeah. Because they should. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We've gotten a lot uh, of letters from people being like, should I tell their new significant other what a shithole they are? <laughs> the answer is no, but. <laughs> please don't do that. The instinct no. is very funny. <laughs> Um, yeah, Yeah, so I think this sucks. No, I think that this sucks. And I also think that it's like, it's a perfectly normal thing to be going through, right? Like I, I want to get rid of this idea Mm. that you are somehow like more fucked up than everyone else because you're 32 and you are still dealing with this and this is your only relationship, right? Like those to me feel like reasons that you're telling yourself that you are somehow, uniquely the most fucked up person in the world to be going through this Mm -hmm. right now. Um, And that's a story that you're telling yourself that is not true, right? Like we are Mm -hmm. all uniquely fucked up in different ways and none of us is more fucked up than anyone else. Right. So the fact that you're going through this is because you are going through this, right? Like because of all of these things that have, that have come into your life that have, made you feel this way about this person. And that doesn't mean that you're messed up or you're broken or that you are unlovable or unfixable, right? It just means that this is something that you're going through right now and that you have the skills and tools to be able to to help pull yourself out of. I totally agree. I want to pull out a couple things um, just like to muse and laugh about um, before I get mm-hmm. into like the meat of my, what I want to say to you, Janelle, first, generally, Sam, the black, black, black. Do we ask other people to block us? <laughs> Honestly, you're, it's you're a choice. the expert. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, what I like about it, it means that you can't unblock him, which mm. is like one of the major flaws in the black, black, black system is that you can always go back in there and unblock <laughs> that person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The unblock and reblock. Um, Uh Okay, but I was I I paused and wanted to ask you that because I feel like then it's not it it doesn't align with what you love about the black 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 system, which is that it is you choosing that you no longer deserve to be hurt by this person, right? Or like that they're not they're no longer gonna have access to you, you know. Whereas Mm -hmm. them blocking for you is like you're right you don't get access to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I didn't think about what you, what you brought up, which is that then you, you, you know, for me, that's why I delete people's phone numbers is cause then I like, can't get them back. <laughs> you know, like I, I can't find them except for the fucking iCloud is really fucking up my system, my system of delete, delete, delete. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, not, you delete. not quite as catchy yeah, for sure. Um, but, I didn't think about what you said about in terms of um, that then you have no access to them because they, but it's on their terms. Yeah. And that's why I I don't like it. Right. Like you can make Joel Janelle, you can make the promise to yourself to block this person and not unblock them. Right. Like that's how we build. You're strong enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm, Yeah. mm -hmm. That's how we build that inner reservoir of strength is by continuing to make promises to ourselves that we then keep. 
Yes, absolutely. And it sounds like Janelle, it, like they're all blocked on everything now. And Janelle know, mm-hmm. ha, has learned her lesson to stay away from exes um, on social media. Which, but I and also want to no, no second account, no second account stocking. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> you know what? Like, so maybe some people have to do that because they have to know how shitty it feels. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm never going to do this again because it feels awful. I, I also want to add that, like, this is so human. Like, I do this, I have done this in the past. Um, but it's, it, I think Sam's right. It's about, it's about like a radical level of self-love, which is to say and believe I am strong enough to not need to know, you know, like I am enough. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, um, I, which I'm going to talk about in a second, but I want to pull out, um, uh, one more thing too, which is what you said, Janelle, when you where you you contacted your ex and said like i thought you weren't the relationship type or like i thought you weren't ready for a relationship which he denied and then you were on underwrite um like i basically she confronted him being like are you just not ready for a relationship with me and i want Mm. to just like address everyone out there in the ether that someone can be a hundred percent not ready for a relationship and then meet someone that makes them ready right Mm -hmm. And, and someone can be a hundred percent not ready to have a relationship with you. <laughs> like it, like <laughs> it, it's hard to accept that because we're it again. I always say this. I feel like our human, our human messy hearts, we want things to be clear cut. So like when someone says I'm not ready for a relationship, we either want it to mean uh, they truly aren't ready for a relationship or they didn't love us enough or it, it was us. Mm. It was something was wrong with us, but we're just, way more complicated than that and way more nuanced in that like sure like maybe he like maybe you weren't doing it for him but that doesn't mean that you weren't enough he just like wasn't ready or maybe he truly wasn't ready and then he met someone who brought whatever to his life that can never ever be compared fairly to whatever you bring to someone else's life um Mm -hmm. I, i wanted to pull that out because i think a lot of us have done that where you know we, we want clarity and we want to like, we feel like so pissed about the fact that like, you know, one ex said that like they never wanted to buy a house with a significant other. And then they went on to buy a house with their next significant other. Like mm-hmm. we want those, those set of stable knowns, but what have we learned on just break up that nothing is stable. Everyone changes Everyone changes their mind. Everyone changes their desires. Um, mm. Time makes a fool of us all, basically. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. And then the last thing I wanted to say to Janelle, which I'm sure you can add to Sam, is that your fear, Janelle, that like um, moving on, uh, you said that like you want a new relationship and you want to meet someone else uh, who actually wants to be with you. And yes, you deserve that. But you Mm -hmm. go on to write, I'm so afraid that I will be deemed not enough again. Well, guess Mm -hmm. what, Janelle? You're not deemed enough by anyone other than yourself, right? Right. Also, and not even of yourself, like whether you love yourself or not, you are enough. Whether Mm -hmm. you consider yourself lovable or not, you are lovable. It is an inherent in all of us. 
And yep. that that level of love and self-acceptance does not come from another human being. It doesn't even come from us, although it does. Like, see what mm-hmm. I'm getting at there? <laughs> yeah, no, it's like it's inherent, right? You right. are always enough, always, right? Right. And that's where... And, but like the self-love piece is the recognition of that. Like, yes. that's what we talk about. Like, mm. you got to love yourself before you can love somebody else. Is like, you have to recognize that you are enough because then you can make the smart decisions about whether or not the person that you are with is compatible with you, is the person that you want in your life. Because if you are constantly telling yourself, I'm not enough, I'm not enough, this person gets to decide whether or not I am enough, then you have no power over the relationship. Every person that you're in a relationship with becomes the arbiter of your value, of your worth. And that's a really, really hard place to be in. It's like, and and I say this not in a shamey way, I say this in a way of like, of understanding. That is a very hard place to be. Like, that really sucks to be in a position where you are constantly trying to have to prove to other people what is already inherent in you. And so yes. when we talk about self-love, that's what it is, right? Like this person looking at you and saying, I don't want to be in a relationship specifically with you is not as heartbreaking when you know that it has that their opinion of you has nothing to do with you and who you are as a person, Absolutely. right? It's a, it is their own opinion about themselves, about what they want in a relationship, But if you know that you are enough, that you are lovable, that you are worthy, then it doesn't hurt as much when that person says, I don't want a relationship with you. I want a relationship with this other person. Because you can say like, good, if you don't want to be with me, I don't want to be with you. Right. Right. Absolutely. I know that that sounds like made up and like a Lizzo song, but like there's truth (laughs) in it. And it's, it's hard to learn and it's not perfect. It's messy. It's like dumb and weird sometimes. But like that is the essence of it. That is really yeah. how we get to a point where people's opinions of us stop mattering so much. And yes, like, absolutely. Sierra and I could learn this ourselves sometimes uh, about this dumb <laughs> podcast. But <laughs> and our and our four one star reviews out of seven hundred five star reviews. <laughs> uh, but like that's really at the end of it. Uh, yes. Like if you. It gets much easier to process through that hurt of being like, wow, that person rejected me. If you're like, yeah, that person rejected me. And also it has nothing to do with me. Help me work through something because I had, I I had this idea pop into my head while you were talking and I was like, say it, don't say it. It's not applicable. It is applicable. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I just had this like really like radical thought that like this same thing that we're talking about, how other people deem us valuable or, or invaluable is it's also how we can harm ourselves. Like if we are the ones that are constantly saying like, Oh, I'm nothing. Like I'm invaluable or like I'm, I have no value. I'm unlovable. I'm flawed. It's how we mentally punish ourselves. Like when we Mm -hmm. do something like, I don't know, human. Right. But instead, if we could, if we could answer our own inner monologue with, I am enough, I am lovable. Yes. I just tripped in front of all those people. Like wow, what a human thing to do. I'm still lovable. Instead of saying like, God, I'm such an idiot. You know, this, Mm -hmm. this, what we're talking about goes to your own relationship with your own inner monologue too. It's not just about saying, oh, that person doesn't love me. I'm still lovable. It's saying to yourself, I'm, I, if I have negative self-talks, I then have to respond to that negative self-talk with, with the same things I would say to myself in a relationship. Right. Is this right. making sense? <laughs> or No, I that... think it's, it's all, it, all of that is connected, right? I, like, yeah. When we talk about like, we, when we also talk about like, we receive the love that we think that we deserve, right? Like 
all of those things are connected. And it's about how do we turn off that negative self-talk or at least Combat I, you can't it, turn it right? off all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, but how can we take what that negative self-talk, give it a name, mm-hmm. know that it's trying to protect us and say, I don't need you right now. Right. right? Like that's thank been you, the most no, effective thing for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I appreciate that you're trying to take care of me, but you're not helping right now. So I'm going to, I'm not going to listen to you. Wow. 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 I feel so <laughs> radically changed by that statement because I've been thinking about how to like address my, um, my attachment anxiety that's been popping up during quarantine of like mm-hmm. me in this healthy, in this healthy, stable relationship. How do I combat those inner monologue of like, where like, I know I'm safe, but my anxiety is like, help, help, help. She's going to leave you. Help, help, help. And I'm like, no Mm -hmm. girl, fucking chill the fuck out. Like, don't be crazy. (laughs) But instead I can say, okay, inner person, inner child or whatever, like you're, I, I recognize that you're trying to protect me right now because you're afraid, but I'm not right. I'm mm-hmm. not afraid. So I'm, I'm going to yep. acknowledge you and I'm going to let you like whine in the corner. Just kidding. Um, but okay. Yeah. Cool. Love that statement. Feel intrinsically no, changed that was by like, it. <laughs> no, that was a profound aha moment for me in therapy one day when I was like, Oh, wow. The reason that I, that inner voice is so mean to me is because it's trying to keep me safe. Like it's, Oh my God. That loves makes me, me want so much. to cry. <laughs> yeah. Did you sob in therapy? <laughs> uh, uh no, but I like, I was speechless. Like I couldn't talk anymore. And my therapist was like, what's happening? And I was like, I don't know how to process through what I just learned. <laughs> wow. I I truly could spend the rest of the episode unpacking that right now. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck. Okay. Anyway, um, Janelle, <laughs> cause it's about you, not Sam and I, but it's also about mm-hmm. us. Um, but, yes, go ahead. But that's what it is. Right. So listen to that. So that voice that's telling you, you're not enough that you need other people to love you in order to be enough. Right. Like that voice is trying to protect you. That voice is trying to say, like, if you can do things perfectly, if you can get everyone to love you, then you will be safe, right? And so listen to that voice, value that voice, know that that voice is there. It That voice has gotten you where you are right now, right? Like that voice has been able to get you to a point yeah. where you've survived these 32 years, right? But you don't need it right now. You don't need that no. voice to be telling you that because if you are alone for the rest of your life, you will still be enough. You will still be lovable. You will still be valuable no matter what happens. Right. And so finding some strength in that allows you to show up in relationships differently and allows you to ask people for what you actually want and deserve rather than trying to get them to prove to you that you are lovable. Yes. You know what? I, I I was going to go on a different tangent to end it, but that is just so profound and it, and it brings us to, the, the ultimate question, right? It's not like, oh, dang, my ex is with somebody else. That sucks. It's how do I treat myself well? How do I, mm. you know, you know, whatever. The one thing I will say before we close this letter, Janelle, is like, how do we reconcile that somebody treated us bad in the past? You just carry it with you. You just carry it mm-hmm. with you. And one day it'll stop being so fucking heavy and painful. And if anything, mm-hmm. like you use that as a marker of what you're not going to allow. I'm not going to let myself feel mm-hmm. this way again. I'm not going to return to this place. I know what this feels like. Th- like, thank you universe for the knowledge of what this experience feels like, because I'm not going to let myself feel this way again. And that's how I, that's how I move through my life with, with past mistakes or past relationships that I'm like not proud of, or I don't like the way I'm, I know I'm never going to cheat on my partner again because I never fucking want to feel that way again. I never want to feel that <laughs> awful again. Right. Um, yeah, I don't, sure. I, I just know I'm going to carry that experience with me as like a, a guiding light anyway. 
um, maybe that will help you let go of the past that like you, that you betrayed yourself, but we do that all the time and, and that's okay. Um, Absolutely. Janelle, we love you so much. We hope this helps. Thank you. Thank for you so writing. much for writing. Did you know that nearly 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about? I will tell you that I 100% am in that 75% of people. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had maybe, I don't know, 15 subscriptions, um, but I couldn't believe it when actually I had way more than that. And it was things that I both had forgotten about and not forgotten about, but like seeing it all in one place was a real sort of amazing moments of clarity for me from streaming services and fitness apps and delivery services. Like everyone's trying to sell you a subscription now. And Rocket Money is great because it helps make sure that you're no longer wasting money on the ones that you forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that helps find and cancel your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses. I can see all of my subscriptions in one place. And if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. I love how the dashboard helps me see this month's spending compared to last month so I can clearly see my spending habits. It is humbling (laughs) and incredibly helpful. Uh And They'll also help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lower bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in cancel subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up damn sam you're blowing my fucking mind (laughs) well thank you to kate my therapist for (laughs) helping me through that epiphany (laughs) wow i literally want to just like sit there and like process it but we have other answers (laughs) letters to answer All right. Yes, we do. All right. So our second letter comes from sad christian who's writing from pennsylvania Dear lovelies, I have been listening to your podcast for about a year now after being introduced to it by a friend, and I just adore you both. You help get me through long work days and always make me smile. You also kind of remind me of the dynamic between me and the and that friend. But this letter is about a different friendship. Let's call her Susie just for fun. It's not fun. Me and Susie met at a little Christian college and have been best and have been friends ever since, totaling about seven years. We endured so much together and everyone assumed our friendship would last forever. Now, at a Christian college, it can be tough being gay. That's an understatement. It was kind <laughs> of torture. Susie had a crush on me when we first met, but then later found out I was gay and we were able to form a solid friendship. She loved me just the way I was and always reassured me that she will never leave my side and will always be involved in my life. However, red flags started appearing after or during senior year of college. Up until then, I was firmly against being in a gay relationship because of the way I was raised and how I interpreted my faith. I know that's probably strange to hear if you're outside conservative Christian circles, but it's a thing. 
Senior year of college, mm. I began the beginnings of questioning this belief. I remember her at one point saying, if you were in a gay relationship, I'm not sure our friendship could stay the same. We'll have too many theological differences. Mm. That's when I first began feeling unsafe in our friendship. However, I was single then, so it didn't really matter. Over the next couple of years, I began really deconstructing my belief that I could not be in a gay relationship and that I had to remain forever celibate to still cherish my faith. At that time, when I was in grad school, I attended a church that knew I was gay, but expected me to remain firm in a conviction that gay relationships were against God. A very long story short, I began dating a guy, and this led to numerous horrible one-on-one meetings with a pastor filled with tears and horrible anxiety about impending hellfire and ultimately excommunication, which is basically a medieval term for we don't think you're a good Christian anymore. Hmm. But for the duration of that one month relationship with a guy, Susie told me I was not allowed to talk about him to her and that she didn't want to hear about him at all. That was incredibly hurtful. But after the relationship ended, Susie apologized and it seemed like we would be okay in the future. She also really helped me deal with the hurt the church caused me. Fast forward a whole year and I meet my current boyfriend. We've been together about eight months and I'm very happy. Susie has moved closer to my area in order to be near me and our group of friends. I share with her that I met someone and she seems sweet and expresses that she would like to meet him. She asks if he shares my faith and I say that he is Catholic, but has also been burned by the church due to his sexual orientation. She seems to take this all right, but when I see her next, her attitude was different. She said she didn't want to meet him yet and she didn't really want to talk about him. I was trying to be very patient because I know it's hard to overcome toxic beliefs that you were brought up in. I allowed her to continue being my friend and I still brought up my boyfriend every now and then and she would shut down every time he was brought up. I spoke to her again three months in and she shared that she didn't feel like our friendship was close anymore. I expressed that I was hurt at how she was treating me and my boyfriend and that she reminded me of the church that had excommunicated me. Hmm. This made her cry and of course I apologized. She expressed she still wasn't ready to meet him, but she'll try to work on being better about talking about him. Then three months after that conversation, I brought it up one more time on the phone and said that I didn't need her to change her beliefs on gay marriage, but I did need her to respect my relationship and respect my boyfriend. I also told her that I had to tell my boyfriend why he hadn't met my best friend yet. She immediately lashed out about how upset she was that I told him why she hasn't met him and that I never invited her to meet him, which was a very strange thing to be mad at because both those things were her fault. She said she can't manufacture feelings of wanting to meet him, and she thought it was a sin. She told me she couldn't be in this friendship anymore, and as I was telling her my heart was open to her if she apologized, she hung up the phone on me. Since the blow-up, we have not communicated, which has been so strange because we had previously communicated daily and hung out Mm. every week. What complicates this is that her roommate is marrying my roommate, and we are both in the wedding party and (laughs) walking down the aisle together. Our friend group says that that they are on my side, but they don't know what to do. To my knowledge, my friends have not confronted her. They called it a spat and refused to dignify it. So I guess I need advice on how to move forward from this anger. How do I reach out to her? Or sorry, should I reach out to her? I am so appalled that she did this after expressing so much that she loved me and how many bad relationships I let her complain to me about and how I helped her through her low self-esteem and eating disorder. Should I continue to let the stalemate continue, even though this is affecting our whole friend group, including a couple planning a wedding? Should I be angry at my friends for not sticking up for me and my boyfriend? 
Why isn't anyone calling her out? Did I do anything wrong in this situation? I would love to reconcile with her, but I do not want this friendship if it is going to to go back to what it was. If there was anything for me to own up to, I would in order to fix this. But she has to be the one to apologize and realize what she did was wrong and do the hard work of repairing the damage if this were ever to be fixed. I apologize for the length of this letter and how triggering it can be for other gay Christians, but I really need help, encouragement, and affirmation in my heart. Thank you so much for all that you do. Sad Christian. Mm. Sad Christian, uh, thank you so much for writing. I'm so sorry that you experienced this, but I do want to thank you for your vulnerability and honesty in this letter. I think that a lot of people out there are going to really relate um, and find solace in um, this shared experience or or in in some semblance. Um, So I just want to say thank you for giving us the opportunity to answer your letter. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm so sorry that um, this part of you that I hope that you are loving and celebrating um, is not being loved and celebrated by someone that you were very close to. Yeah. Um, And that just like... That really sucks when suddenly we realize that our the values that our friends share aren't the values that we share. Yeah, and it totally or, like rewrites like, the way that we interpret the world. Is yeah. that's that's hard to to handle. Yeah, and I also I like I would like take it even farther and say like it's hard to realize that the that people that I love don't love the person I am because it's not mm. just about being, it's not just about your values. Like it's not just like, Oh, I value being able to like um, spend time with my family or I value like gardening. Right. It, you, <laughs> okay. Those are like hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, like I don't, I wouldn't consider my ability to live my authentic full life with someone that I love so truly and so deeply of value. I think that that is my inherent humanness. Maybe I'm like, maybe I need to be educated on what a value is, but like <laughs> I wanted no, to I mean, extend I think, that. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I mean, I would say that that's a value because not everyone shares that. Not everyone wants to live their authentic yeah. life. Not everyone wants to be with the person like, there are other things oh, that people dang. can value over that. <laughs> no, honestly. And like, I'm yeah. not trying to, I'm not being judgmental. I'm saying that like other people yeah, might yeah, have yeah, different yeah. values. And I think, I think recognizing that is actually helpful in dealing with yeah. folks who don't share those values. Because if you come yes, and yes. you're like, everyone wants to show up authentically, everyone wants to be with the person that they love, then you suddenly have set yourself up to misunderstand the person right. that you're talking to. And yeah, it makes it hard. that's totally fair. Because then you walk into the thing and you're like, oh my God, this person just hates me because I'm trying yeah. to be authentic to myself when really they just don't like you because you are living a value that they don't share. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I think that's smart. I want to like pull out a couple things from this letter before, again, we get into like the big like group hug of it all, which is like, um, <laughs> I thought, you know, I thought it was really interesting, sad Christian that um, in that first um, inter- in that first big conflict that you had with her with her um, in which like you told her that she was making you feel like re-traumatized like the church made you feel Um, she started crying. And then you, you of course tended to her feelings and apologized for making her cry. But I want to say to all of my like caretakers out there, like some people, (laughs) some people like deserve is the wrong word, but like discomfort is a great thing to feel discomfort is a great teacher. And sometimes Mm -hmm. 
we, we, it is a privilege and an honor to be taught by discomfort. And sometimes we need to be, we deserve that discomfort, not in like a punishment way, but that like the discomfort will push us into a greater understanding. And I think it's just so iconic that you apologize for, for making her cry when she was absolutely re re traumatizing you or triggering you to feel as though at the church made you feel, which, which invokes like a sense of, you know, the church gave you this sense of, um, uh, great despair and anti-value and, and like that you were broken and, and, you know, not worthy of anything and, and that she made mm-hmm. you feel that and that you end up apologizing to her. It's like, well, like you existing and you voicing your concern, your, your, your discomfort doesn't make you a bad person. Again, this is mm-hmm. a universal thing, not just in the, this experience of like homophobia or this, this particular friendship to all of you out there. When you make someone else uncomfortable, that is not inherently a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, discomfort is a teacher. So for sure, wanted Absolutely. to pull that out. It is. And it's also, um, when we start, when we are in a relationship where we have been continuing to fold ourselves or to, uh, take down our own boundaries for other people, right. When we start to put those boundaries back up, it feels like we are hurting the other person. Mm -hmm. Like, and, Mm -hmm. and often the person that we're talking to feels like we have suddenly hurt them. right? Right. But what all that you are doing in that is speaking your own truth and establishing a boundary around like how she can treat you. Yeah. And for her, that felt like you were taking something away from her. Mm. But the reality is, is that she never had it in the first place. She just thought that she did. Yep. Totally. (laughs) Totally. Just like my independence from the coronavirus. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I had control and I just didn't. Um, The other thing I wanted to pull out. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing I wanted to pull out is that is her like, comment where she said i didn't i i can't manufacture feelings to want to see you know to meet your boyfriend or whatever i just want to pull that out because that's so um like literally not true (laughs) um because because we as adults dear Susie, have to do things that we don't want to do every fucking day that is being Mm -hmm. an adult and that and that is be you know doing the right thing or being the bigger person or i don't know being a good friend and i just want to pull that out like (laughs) again everybody's on their own journey and Susie is dealing with her own shit right Susie is doing the best Mm -hmm. that she can with the knowledge and experience that she that she holds and she is trying to move throughout the world with her values right like as sam said but i want to point that i want to i want to point out like that I just, I, I didn't like that phrase, like manufacturing feelings. Like we do that all the time. We always, it's like, it's like the face that we put on when we don't want to um, show people how we're feeling or mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's the, it's the good face that we put on when we go to work, when we don't want to go to work. Like, and, and I, I would expect that you were able to do that for the people you care most for easier than you can for your job. You know what I mean? Um mm-hmm. Uh, that's just another thing I wanted to pull out and bitch about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. But so to the friendship itself, like can like should sad Christian, uh, how, how should they move about moving forward through this? Uh, well, 
Sad Christian, I think that you are, you are doing the right things right now. Um, because I think that you are being honest with your feelings. I think that you are starting to establish some boundaries. Um, and that's like really causing a lot of, of pain in the relationship, Mm. but it's important to know that, that, that that pain happens when you establish boundaries, right? Because then Mm -hmm. it is a reminder of the ways in which, yeah, because it's a reminder of the ways in which you are folding yourself in order to preserve this friendship. And, um, and I just don't, I don't think that folding yourself in a friendship is like a, a fun friendship to have. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I know that Susie is on her own journey and I know that you want, you are really respectful of that because you have also been in a place where your internalized homophobia has been there. Like, you know what it feels Mm -hmm. like to be um, taught something that doesn't align with your beliefs and still like believe it wholeheartedly. Um, And I understand that you want to practice empathy and sympathy for Susie. And I totally get that. Um, And I think that's wonderful about you, but it's also important to understand that like, folding yourself and and denying yourself the ability to show up fully in this relationship isn't serving you and it's not actually serving Susie right because mm-hmm. she's getting a best friend who's lying to her who is not being truthful who is um who is constantly making themselves smaller instead of instead of being who they authentically are um mm-hmm. and so i think i think you're doing the right things and this discomfort is important because it it's showing you how possibly how incompatible you are or how much both of you are going to have to grow in order to maintain this relationship. Yeah. And if Susie isn't willing to make that growth happen, then that's not your fault. It is not your fault for diminishing the relationship or for blowing things up, right? It is, it is that she's unable to grow at this moment and you are now establishing yourself and knowing who you are and coming into the relationship with that knowledge, which is exactly what we need to be doing in our friendships and in our relationships with people. Discomfort is a gift. Discomfort is telling you that you have the opportunity to do something differently. It is a teacher Mm -hmm. always. And that is true for you. It is true for Susie. It's true for Sam and I. Um, I, It's funny that you said like, maybe not (laughs) because in terms (laughs) of like keeping this friendship, because in my notes, I wrote reconciling might feel necessary, but it isn't always worth it. Like we, again, we want, um, the the Shakespearean end where everybody gets married, even if it doesn't make sense. Um, we want it to all come together. And that's just it. It Like maybe this friendship can come, can, can turn into something that is healthy, that, that both of you feel safe and, and nourished in. Um, but I want to tell you sad Christian that there are people out there who will love you exactly for who you are and, the, and mm-hmm. you won't have to do any dance. You don't, you won't have to do any accommodating or any folding Sam. And I love you exactly as you are right now. We love you who you were 10 years ago, five years ago, a year ago. And we love you in the future exactly as you are. Um, and that love can be found in other people. And it's sad. It, it there's grief here. Here, that Susie cannot love you, cannot love the whole you, right? Um, that That is a loss. I'm grieving with you. Um, and so often in the LGBTQ community, we lose people yep. because they are unable to love all of us. But right. life is too short to be loved for own, half of you or to be loved for a part of you that is pretending. We yes, deserve for, to be seen 
and loved and acknowledged for all of us. And what you're experiencing with the church, I want to tell you is, you know, trauma is a slow burn and you're, I know so many queer people who have been unpacking their relationship to God and spirituality their whole lives. And I want to say that that is okay, that you are lovable, that you are whole, even if you don't have all the answers to your spiritual questions, that you are a gay child of God, or you are a gay child of the universe, whatever mm-hmm. matters to you, um, you are accepted always, even if you have questions, even if you don't know what your relationship is, even if you miss the people and institutions that hurt you, and even if mm. you still find solace in them, that is, you are still a whole, beautiful, lovable gay person who deserves to be seen and treated as such. Absolutely. Yeah, but makes me emotional. In, it does. <laughs> yeah. In terms of your questions, so I think we talked a, a little bit about how to what you're doing with Susie is is probably the right thing to be doing at this point. Yeah, um, space. Distance. But in terms of like, right? How do you how do you reconcile this with your friends? Um, I recommend two things. The first is like be super honest with your friends about what you're going through, right? And I and I don't mean that in a trash talky way. I mean that in a right. talk about your feelings type of way, right? And say, um, I'm just feeling really um, hurt by the fact that it Susie isn't meeting my boyfriend. To me, it feels like that means that she doesn't want to be in relationship with me fully. Um, and I I love her and I understand that she's going through things and she's trying to work this out. Um, but for me, I need to, I'm just creating some space so that I can process through this. Right. 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 Not, not like you have to pick either of us, like, but instead just saying like, this is my truth. This is what I'm going through. I'm not going to force you to pick sides at this point, but know that I am trying to create space between me and her. Yeah. Um, and I, and I'm just asking that you be respectful. Yeah. Of that. And you can even say, I, I'm, I'm fully capable of, of being nice and having fun at the wedding. I'm fully right. capable and that's of my, that. And that's my number two. Because is you can manufacture stupid. it. Like she said, <laughs> you yes, know? Right. <laughs> yeah. So number two is cheerful and stupid. Like yes. you ha- you're going to have to walk down the aisle with this person. Like I can't, we can't change that for you. Yeah. Uh, but you can go into it and, and be as personable and cheerful as possible, knowing that it doesn't diminish who you are, knowing that you are still authentically you in in those moments where you have to put on that happy face. Um, But sometimes we just have to walk through life with people that have hurt us. And the only thing that we can do is smile, get through it, and then find the place where we can restore ourselves Mm -hmm. and move forward. Right. Um, And so just just know that you're going to get through this, like this discomfort that you're feeling about this wedding is real. Um, but it's a wedding. People will be happy. There will be dancing, like <laughs> mm-hmm. unless it's like a really uber Christian wedding and then maybe there won't be dancing, which I am sorry if that's the case. I totally agree with what Sam said. Cheerful and stupid. You can be the bigger person here and then you can be the even bigger person and go out and live your authentic, gay, beautiful life and and find mm-hmm. people who can celebrate that with you. That's that's the big person thing to do. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Um, sad Christian. We hope this makes you a little bit less sad. Thank you so much for listening and for writing in. We love you. All right. Our last letter is from... 30 Flirty and Far Behind, who is writing to us from Princeton, New Jersey. 
Hi, Sam and Sierra. Your podcast is truly a gift. Your wit and wisdom make me weepy in the best ways. You are both models of what it looks like to be loving, kind, and empathetic. And I want to wholeheartedly thank you for being vulnerable, imperfect, and in in process and so very human. I love that comment because I was going to be like, we are definitely not models, but then you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, By way of introduction, I'm a 29-year-old heterosexual cis woman writing from a Suburban, sub, from suburban New Jersey. I'm approaching my 30th birthday and reflecting on my past decade. I spent my 20s earning degrees, focusing on my career and healing from the neglect and emotional abuse I experienced in childhood with a terrific therapist. My neuroatypical dad did not have the tools to put my needs first when I was growing up and I internalized that I was not, I'm not worthy of any kind of love. I'm particularly susceptible to believing that I'm not interesting enough or smart enough or desirable enough to be loved. I also experienced sexual assault in my first and only significant romantic relationship, which ended, I ended after two and a half years when I was 19. Until about six months ago, I was not interested in any romantic or sexual interest for men in my life and went years and years without having sex with anyone, including myself. I avoided sex not only because it required intimacy, but also because it was associated with physical pain for me. Although I was diagnosed with a pelvis floor dysfunction and sought physical therapy for it on and off for the last 10 years, my disinterest in sex during my 20s made me feel very alone, alien, and physically broken. All of my head and heart work and regular sessions with a truly outstanding pelvis floor therapist I trust started to pay off last summer when I discovered that I felt ready to get close to men again romantically, sexually, and emotionally. I made significant changes. I invested in a great vibrator and learned how to give myself orgasms with this toy. I read books about female sexuality, dating, and relationships. I started striking up conversations with attractive strangers and even asked a cute guy out in person once, which is fucking terrifying. So good fucking job. (laughs) Back in my day, (laughs) you had to do it in person all the time. Yeah, yeah. Back in my day, you just threw a stone at someone, you know, around a fire. Just kidding. Um, I made several online dating profiles and committed to trying to meet people through apps. I regularly initiate conversations and drive to Philly slash Phil- uh, to New York City slash Philadelphia coffee shops all over the tri-state area to meet strangers from the internet, which is usually taxing and a bit disappointing, but occasionally exhilarating. In the past six months, I have had flings with five men, all of whom I eventually determined were not emotionally available over the course of two weeks to a month. Uh, going on first dates, having casual sex and feeling currents of sexual desire gun were all emotions, emotion, enormous victories in themselves. I was previously unwilling to tolerate the vulnerability and possibility of rejection that dating and sex require, but I want more. On a good day, I can see that I'm making significant strides towards my desires of having fulfilling sex, life, romance, and a stable, healthy partnership. But every time I hear Sierra say that you learn how to love by loving, I feel a visceral pang of regret and shame. On a bad day, I fear that by opting out of intimacy with men in my 20s, I am hopelessly, quote, behind both as a sexual partner and a romantic partner. In the last six months of dating, I have rarely had great sex, and it's hard not to blame myself for that, not already learning what gets me off. In the last six months, several of my partners have decided it was way too hard to make me come or express frustration that I couldn't provide specific instructions about what I like when I'm receiving head, which substantiates some of my most significant fears. I am not worthy of any attention. It's my fault, etc. 
I also feel ashamed that I know absolutely nothing about what it's like for me as an adult to be in a relationship. As someone who has experienced neglect, I know I am at risk for bringing my trauma into a relationship. But at this point in my life, I don't feel like I have any time to make up, make any mistakes. Is it too late for me to have things that I want in life, a great sex life, a loving partner, romance, and a stable relationship? I fear that I am a walking red flag for potential partners because my lack of relationships in the past and limited experience having satisfied a sexual partner. I feel desperate for connection and desperate to make up for all the time I already lost, especially when I can compare myself to my peers, many of whom are getting married, starting families. I'm also deeply afraid that I will lose my hard-earned connection that I have recently developed with my sexuality if I continue to have unsatisfying partnered sex and experience romantic rejection. How do I forgive myself for not being ready sooner? Thank you for reading my letter. I really hope to hear some tough love from both of you. Um, I love this letter. (laughs) I'm sorry. Thank you so much for writing 30 flirty and far behind. I'll call you flirty. Um, I love this letter because, um, I think it's beautifully articulated, um, and that your, your concerns are so genuine, um, and, and valid, but also like Sam and I are just like, oh, like we just like not awe in like a childish way, but like, I want to give you a hug and say like, and look you in the eyes and grab you by the shoulders and say, none of that time was wasted. None mm. of your time in life is wasted. We might feel as though like retrospect, we could, we could have spent it on different things. Um, but there's no, there's no getting that time back. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so, and there's no redoing anything. So there's no wasted time. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. That was a weird way to start the letter, but I just, yeah. I'm, I'm so <laughs> charmed by this by this person. I'm just so charmed by you. Um, no. And I would say like, I would agree that there is no such thing as wasted time, right? There was just something that we needed to learn. Yes. Um, and you needed to learn this, uh, to get to a point where you are feeling comfortable and able to have these, uh, sexual and romantic partnerships with people. Um, and that's good, right? Like, I think, I think that you have been in relationship with yourself, um, mm in a way that maybe doesn't conform to what, what people would have us believe is the normal way for people to do this. Um, but you are actually in many ways, probably, uh, just as equipped as other folks, if not more, because you have had to go through this process of finding your own sexuality through something that was difficult, right? Um, you have had to learn what it means, like how important and how valuable the ability to have good sex is because you have, you went without it for so long, right? You have been able to understand the value and the worth of that because of the absence of it in your life. And you have been able to make the really intentional decision that this is something that you want and something that you are looking for and something that you are going to ask from other people without settling for less. Yes. I, and I want to jump on that and say like flirty, I feel as though, I, what I am lacking in my 33 year old relationship is that I did never, I never gave myself the time of day. I, in my twenties, I was just about what do other people want? What Mm. can I find in other people? And now what I'm lacking in my current healthy relationship, like what I need to 
figure out is like, how do I fuel myself? How do I love myself? How do I feel like enough when I can't get what I want from someone else? And so like, I think everybody and anyone can feel like they're lacking in comparison to someone else's journey. But I want to tell you um, that me, someone who fucking slept around all their twenties and dated a ton, I feel, I feel inadequate when it comes to my current relationship. And I feel like, man, those are, I could have spent my time differently to better prepare me for this relationship, but there's no going back. There, there are no mistakes. There are only choices that we made. Um, and so everybody, everybody's coming at things differently. I, I do think that it's valid for you to feel like maybe you wish that you had more experience here and there, but we can, again, we can only acknowledge those questions. Um, we can only acknowledge them and say, okay, I see that this fear is trying to protect me, but I'm going to, I'm going to acknowledge you and say, I, I don't need this fear because I know that I am not lacking as a human, you know, mm-hmm. for real. Um, I want to yeah, say, I would too, say that like the sex, <laughs> the sex that I had in my twenties really fucked up the sex that I'm having in my thirties. So like, <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> say that like having a lot of sex has really equipped me in any meaningful way to be a, a good sexual partner. So just FYI. <laughs> Just trying yes, to like, I, to- I, I literally totally agree. <laughs> and I, and I say that not to like make a joke, although like it is a joke. Um, but also to say that, um, that we are all on our journeys to being who we want to be. Right. And I, and it isn't one particular path that's going to set us up to be the, the best, most experienced, most ready person for relationships. Right. Right. It is we are all arriving there at different paths. And sometimes the things that we think are going to help don't help us. And sometimes the think the things that we think won't help us are actually super helpful. I totally um, agree. And so, and so I, I say that to help relieve you of some of the expectation that I feel you putting on yourself, um, that because you missed out on this, this time, you're ill-equipped to be able to handle a relationship, but you are, you are equipped. You are as equipped as you can be and as you will be right now. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and that is equipped enough to be able to be in relationship with someone to continue to learn, to continue to establish boundaries, ask for what you need, all of the things that we talk about, just because you didn't have a lot of sex in your twenties doesn't mean that you're not ready to do that. It just means you didn't have a lot of sex in your twenties. Right. And I want to tell you, bad sex exists no matter what your relationship history was. hundred (laughs) percent. Like I, I I cannot stress this enough. We are capable of having bad sex or having, I should say like, um, uh, a partner that doesn't, it, that doesn't match our needs at any stage in our lives with any partner, right? Bad sex exists, period. And also, <laughs> can I get a collective fuck those guys for the ones that are like, oh, I'm frustrated or because like, I don't know. I, I, I like triggered reading that, um, that they're like too frustrated to like try to learn how to make you come because that means that they're not willing to like listen to you. They're not willing to be patient with you. They're not willing to explore like sex is playful and messy and, and funny and weird and vulnerable. And it's, it's, it's not all intuitive. Sometimes we have to tell people exactly what we want. Sometimes we have to bring that really nice expensive vibrator into the bedroom with us you know, um, there you go. Yeah. Um, fuck those guys. Like they're on their own journey and maybe they're feeling inadequate because of whatever sexual journey they're on. Um, but like, 
again, to everyone out there, just because you, you are not enjoying the sex that you're having doesn't mean something is wrong with you or that something mm-hmm. is lacking with you. Just because you can't get off because whatever they're doing doesn't mean you're lacking. It means that they're not doing enough for you. And that's not even commentary on them, even though I just had like the whole congregation say, <laughs> fuck those guys. That's not even commentary on them. Like, like we are not less than if we can't get our partner to orgasm. That doesn't, that is for not. Sure. That is not a commentary on who we are as, as, as quality beings. Um, and but I, all sex ahead. doesn't need to have orgasms in it. Right. Like, right. I, there have been multiple times in my sex life where I've been like, either this isn't going to happen because of whatever reason. Right. Or two, like, I don't need to, I don't need to orgasm this time. Right. right. Like, and so I think again, let's dis. Let's dismantle some of the things that we are taught about what sex should and should not be. Yes. And say like sex is what makes you feel good, right? Sex is what brings you into partnership with a person in a loving and consensual way. Uh, However that plays out for you. So if you're like, I am too in my head to have an orgasm, fine. Yeah. Maybe next time, because you have given yourself the space to be like, I can't do this and that's okay then maybe yes. next time you'll feel more comfortable to be able to be, to get out of your head a little bit and be like, well, yeah. it doesn't matter if I come or not. So, and so, yeah. So I just want to, I want to say that like, there's no shame in you for these men that you've been with not being able to get you off. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't mean necessarily mean they're bad people. It doesn't mean that you are like, I don't know, frigid. Yeah, <laughs> is that, yeah. like, no, is that totally. like the feeling that we're probably yep. going with? Yep. Right. It just means that like, it just didn't work and that's okay. It, it is yeah. a learning experience. It is as long like sex is not always about how do I make sure that I get off. It can it's be not about even that. intimacy and connection with yeah. someone. I, and it's not even that for me when I when I look at my sexual history and the things that I felt shame about. It's it, I felt like something was wrong with me that I wasn't getting mm-hmm. off because or like I wasn't wet because my body was inadequate or like whatever. Instead of just saying, this is my body, this is the way it is, learn how to deal with it. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like you adjust, not me. I don't adjust, <laughs> you know, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend or fake that my body is anything, but it is you work with what I'm bringing you. <laughs> um, but also like that, I thought I would always be like, oh my God, I can't get off on this person who is like, I don't know, trying to play bop it on my crotch. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> or like, oh, yeah. I, I really have to come because that's the expectation, and but I don't really want to. Or like, it's going to take yeah, fifteen totally. minutes for me to get there, and it's like too much work at this point. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that is the most Sam thing I've ever heard. <laughs> okay. Anyway, no, it's like, are we just going to lie here and wait until this happens? Because like, it's going to be a while, and I would rather you not be in the room for it. Like, I don't. Oh my god, that is so real. <laughs> I love your vulnerability right now. Okay, like, but the... I'm like, I could do this better if you weren't staring at me. To be honest, so. <laughs> say that in so many instances like at the grocery store you know like cooking um making a decision like ordering coffee (laughs) yeah right (laughs) okay but anyway the last thing i want to say about sex um flirty is that like you're not going to lose it like okay two things one you've worked really hard to to understand your body up until this point um Mm -hmm. you're not going to lose that it's not something that you can lose because it's knowledge gained second thing is we can think about things in terms of recovery. Recovery is never linear. Re- recovery is never like 
um, I did step one through 10 and now I'm healed forever and I'm never going to go back. Right. Um, recovery or any type of personal growth, personal development, um, it ebbs and flows, right? So if you do feel a regression, if you do feel like your sexual desire or your desire for vulnerability and intimacy is waning, that's okay too, because we're allowed to go like nature. We are allowed to move through things like we have our seasons, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I just wanted to say that. For sure. Cool. Um, yeah, that about sums it up for me. Any closing? Yeah. No, I just, um, I just want to say like you, it's not too late for you. I I mean, that was an explicit question that you asked. So I want to answer that. It's absolutely not too late for you. Um, you are, you are equipped to move in relationship with people. You are equipped to learn from those relationships with people. Um, you, I know that you have this, that this trauma that you're bringing with you from your past, but also know that. Lots of people bring lots of different types of trauma into relationships and they are able to learn from it, establish good relationships, right? Like just because you have this trauma that you're dealing with doesn't mean that you are immediately going to end up in an unhealthy relationship. Everybody has baggage, right? The fact that you have processed through so much of this with a therapist is amazing, right? Like that is going to help you, uh, with the skills and tools you need to be in a healthy relationship. And you've got an advocate on your side that you have an authentic relationship with mm-hmm. that has been helpful to you. Right. So just because you haven't had the, the, just because you haven't learned by loving in the way that we have defined loving, right. Doesn't mean that you are not equipped to be able to be in a healthy relationship. And I would encourage you to also think about the ways in which you have loved outside of romance, right. Right. We learn by loving our friends. We learn by loving our parents and our siblings and our cousins and aunts and uncles, right? We learn by loving our pets. We learn by loving strangers that we have crushes on, on the subway, right? There are multiple different ways that we can learn by loving. It doesn't have to be in a romantic relationship. So you are just as equipped as so many other people in the world right now to have a romantic relationship, just because Sierra and I had a lot of sex in our twenties doesn't mean that we were any more equipped at the age (laughs) of 29 to be in a relationship than you are, right? You are absolutely ready for this. You've made this decision. You know who you are. You are going to find the words that you need to tell people what you want. And it's going to be an amazing time for you. So how wonderful and how grateful are you that you've made this decision that you are ready to be open and vulnerable with people It's amazing that you get to move into this new phase of your life. Yes. And you are, you are perfectly equipped right now to be at the right point for this phase. Yes. You learn to love by loving yourself too. Ah, that's true. Yeah. I forgot about that one. Yeah. You crushed it. And you have shown yourself so much love throughout this process, which is what is so amazing. Yeah. Uh, you can do it, Sam and I believe in you and we're so incredibly grateful, um, for you writing and listening. Thanks for, we are. thanks for writing in. We love you. Thank you. We love you. All right. This brings us to the line date segment of our show. Every episode we want to set you up with something that we want to send you home with this week. It is. It's a book called how to be an anti-racist by Ibram X. Kendi. Um, and I saw Kendi speak at an event in Minneapolis uh, a few months ago. Uh, and, you know, I have 
I work in nonprofit and I am sort of constantly trying to think about how we can do our work in a more equitable and mm-hmm. anti-racist way. Um, but I will say that the presentation that he gave really helped me reframe some of the ways that I had been thinking about race and racism. Mm. Um, and so I, uh, bought his book and read it and it was, um, it was a really helpful way for me to think about racism. Um, and the main thrust of it is that, uh, there is no such thing as not racist. There's only Mm. racist or anti-racist. Um, and so if we are not actively working against the racist policies, systems, and power, uh, that exist in our country, that our country was founded on, we are not, uh, we are perpetuating them. Mm. So un- unless we are actively fighting them or thinking about them differently, um, we are not, uh, we are not, um, being anti-racist. Uh, and there's a lot of like interesting different perspectives. There's a lot of tools and, uh, and support in it. Um, so would encourage folks to check that out. Uh, it's called how to be an anti-racist by Ibram Kendi. Awesome. Thank you so much for recommending that. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at just break up pod. You can slide into our DM, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at justbreakuppod.com which is also where you can find our merchandise. That's right. Please give us a five-star rating and review on wherever you listen uh, and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you can get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally helps us keep the lights on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music recording and producing by our great friend, Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, the What If Podcast. And remember, your true, authentic self is beautiful, lovable, worthy, whole and ever growing because you know this you can now interact with others and yourself based on what is right for you because you know this you can now lovingly express your desires and needs you can lovingly give yourself everything you know you deserve you are worth loving and if all else fails just break up (laughs) 